Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is by Pastor Ben White. Pastor Ben has been on staff at Fellowship Baptist Church since 2009 and has served in a variety of ministries over the years. We hope that today's lesson will be a blessing and encouragement to you as you seek to become more like Jesus Christ in your everyday life. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts for the teaching of God's Word. Let's take our Bibles, open up to 3 John this evening. 3 John. Hope everybody had a great day. Hope everybody's cars started. <laughs> if it didn't, well, they're probably not here tonight. My battery actually went bad in my car right uh, before winter hit, and I'm actually really thankful because <laughs> there's nothing worse than when you find out your battery is bad when it's... Well, it depends on who you're talking to. Over here, I think we had a, a 60 below. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that is the worst. It's like if there's a time your battery going to go bad, it's when it's freezing outside. And then you're changing your battery when it's cold. So I was like, well, I'm never thankful for my battery going bad. But even this morning, when I was going to start it at like 7.30, it was still like, whoa, whoa, rum, rum, rum. It started up, but I was like, ooh, that weak battery would have never made it. <laughs> 3 John, we're going to be reading verses 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, The elder, John speaking here, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be healthy, even as thy soul prosperous. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> Have you ever seen somebody trying to teach somebody or tell somebody something that they themselves didn't really know what they were talking about? All you have to do to observe something like that is turn the news on, to be honest with you. Um, but I've seen it so many times. Um, I've seen it in my children. <laughs> I love it, right? Your children are trying to teach the other child how to do something or they're, no, that's not what you do. And they're telling them what to do. And you're like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Um, that happens as children. I've seen it. I've seen teenagers. Teenagers do that all the time. You know, they can talk so confidently, uh, especially among each other. I mean, I can't, how much advice did my friends give me when I was a teenager? And I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's good thinking. You know, <laughs> now that I'm older, I'm like, oh my. I remember, uh, I think I might have told you guys this before, but I remember going to uh, Best Buy to get a laptop. And, um, man, I tell you what, those Best Buy guys, they don't know a whole lot. Some, some of them do, but I knew exactly what I wanted when I was going in to get my laptop. I, I, I did all my homework, I did all my research, and I, I always do that before I go in, and I knew exactly what I wanted when I went in to get my laptop. I knew all the specs, I knew everything about the laptop. It wasn't a question if I knew what I was going, I knew exactly what I was going to get. I really was just going to price match. Um, and so I went in, and you know, and then he comes up to me, he's like, hey, what you looking for? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm in the market for a laptop, and, and he's like, well, you know, I'm kind of thinking this way. And then he goes on to then, whatever, try to sell me on all the laptops, and he's telling me all about them. And as I'm sitting there listening to him, it didn't take me long to 
realize this guy has no idea what he is talking about. <laughs> and um, uh, it was like, it was like comical slash irritating slash funny slash annoying. You know what I mean? It's also like, what did you, what are you talking about? Like, that's, there's no relevance. I've literally spent the last week researching these. You do not know what you're talking about. Or he says something, no, it does not come with, that's not even true. Uh -huh. You know, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to embarrass him, but um, um, have you ever, have you ever been talking with somebody else and you're telling them a story and you were like, yeah, and I was like, you have no idea what you are talking about. And then they go, you said that to them? And you're like, no, but I was thinking it. Um, <laughs> that's why I was just like, in my mind, I'm like, this guy has no clue what he is talking about. You know, how many times do people in this world that are leaders and leading, how many times do they give advice when they themselves know nothing? How many times do they lead when they don't even really know where they're leading or what they're doing? There's a saying about this, and the saying is, it's actually a biblical saying, but it's also found in many other cultures throughout history. It's called the blind leading the blind, right? The blind leading the blind. This statement is used to describe a situation where the person who knows nothing is getting advice and help from another person who knows nothing. Uh, Jesus actually referred to this. This was a common saying for this idea, but Jesus even referred to this idea. And he said, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. You know, as I was thinking of it in my own life, it would really, as I was just thinking about the many things I don't know how to do, the first thing that popped into my mind would be like, it would be like me teaching a cooking class, okay? <laughs> Could I teach a cooking class? If I wanted to, I could. Could I teach it correctly? No, definitely not, okay? <laughs> you could ask my wife. Uh, sometimes I think my food tastes good, and then she, <laughs> yeah, she, she, she strongly disagrees with me. Uh, sometimes I make it, and I'm like, do you want some? And she's like, uh, no, I will make my own food. Thank you very much. I'm like, I think it tastes good. And, I don't know, the kids, the, the kids strongly uh, agree with Rachel's sentiments, too, about my cooking. Uh, I offer it to them, but nobody ever wants to take it. But listen, I think the same thing can happen in our own leadership. I think the same thing can happen in our own leadership. How do we avoid the blind leading the blind pitfall in our lives as leaders? How do we avoid the do what I say, but not what I do mentality? Listen, leadership is a high calling. Amen? Uh, leadership is a high calling from God. Whatever area of leadership you are in, that is a calling from God. And we should take our, our calling from God as leaders very seriously. God has put us there in these areas of leadership. But let's jump into uh, how do we avoid these type of leadership pitfalls. Let's jump into this passage and see the essential foundations for healthy 
leadership. Now we're just going to review a little bit. I'm going to do this every week because one of the ways we learn is through repetition. I was teaching the kids this morning in chapel and I mentioned to them how great would it be if we could hear something one time and just know it. Oh, wouldn't that be nice if you could just listen, you, you, you sit through, they tell it to you, and they're like, do you got it? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Oh, it's good. You know, you, you hear like you're learning math and you hear the problem one time and you're like, okay, I, I, I got, let's move on to the next thing. Now, there are some people like that, but for the most, of, most part, most of us, we got to hear things over and over again, right? Uh, repetition to be able to learn and understand. And, you know, that's what practice comes from. So we're going to keep reviewing so we have a better understanding of what we've taught and also prepare us for what we're going to be moving into. But uh, in this leadership series, we need to understand that we are all leaders, right? Each and every one of us here are leaders in some way, shape, or form. Some people are leading at school. Some people are leaders at school. Some people are leaders even as young people on their sports teams. Uh, some people are leaders at home, whether parents, but there, there are even children that are leaders at home, right? That, that lead the other children. Uh, there's leaders at church, at work, in our community. There's so many areas of leadership and everyone in this room is a leader or will be a leader in not too long of time. So this leadership series is relevant for all of us. Why do we need to become healthy leaders? Why do we need to focus on becoming healthy leaders? Why, why should we prioritize this in our lives? And I think we as Christians, I mentioned this last week, we as Christians, the ultimate goal for becoming effective leaders should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the highest calling we have as Christians. And the highest calling that we should have to be effective, godly, healthy leaders is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The better leaders we become, the better we will be able to lead people to the truths of God's word. The better leaders we are at home, the more effective we will be at home of developing disciples and followers of Jesus Christ in our families. The better leaders we become at church, the more people we will be able to, as a church, collectively, as a body, the more people we will be able to reach with the gospel. The more effective we are at leading at church. The more effective we become as leaders at work, the more effective we will be able to share the gospel. Um, you know, if you're, if you're at work and you are a toxic leader, people probably aren't going to be too receptive to the gospel message, right? Especially if they know that you're a Christian. They're going to be like, I want nothing to do with that Christian thing. The only Christians I know are jerks, you know? They're terrible. So the more effective leaders you are at work, the more effective the gospel uh, presentation will be. The better leaders we become in our community, the more effective we will be at reaching our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's great about not just uh, leadership when the gospel is our foundation, but really all areas of life when the gospel and, and following Christ is the foundation of why we do, if it's the why behind the what we do. The great thing is, is that God blesses in other ways as well. Right? So even though 
the desire to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ as becoming a healthy leader, God will also bless in other areas in our leadership. The, the more healthy you become as a leader, the more, honestly, the more happier you'll be, right? As you become a healthy leader, you'll, your, your leadership will be uh, happier. Um, people that are underneath your leadership will be happier, you know? How, much, how many of us have ever served under a healthy leader and at other times served underneath a toxic leader? You know it's just like, oh, toxic leaders can just, man, that can be so difficult, especially on your spirit and your attitude and everything. And so the people that serve underneath your leadership will be happier. There will be more joy in the areas that you serve. There will be healthy growth in your life personally as well as in the lives of those that you lead. And, and other, other blessings will really uh, follow along with it too. So we don't do it for those things. We do it to follow Christ and to, to, to have that in our lives. But God will also bless in other areas. All right, so let's jump into this passage. Let's review the last two lessons uh, that we went through and then jump into our new content tonight. So here in this, in this book, we have John the Older, the John the uh, Apostle, writing a letter unto Gaius the younger man, the younger pastor or leader. John uh, was the older apostle, personally trained by Jesus Christ. Gaius is the younger. In this letter, we have examples of both healthy leadership in verses 9 through uh, uh, 1 through 8, toxic leadership in verses 9 through 12. And uh, we're not going to get through this whole series. Obviously, next week is my last week, and then I will be picking the series back up in May. Pastor will be taking over next month, and then the month after that we'll have uh, Pastor Evans taking over. But lesson one, our first lesson, we talked about principle one, healthy leaders are intentional about developing other leaders. John was reproducing himself in the life of Gaius. John was investing, mentoring, guiding, and giving responsibility to this young man, this young leader. John knew that in order for the mission of the gospel to continue on, he had to reproduce himself in the life of this young leader. And then, of course, the evaluation questions that we ask is, who are you investing in? That is worth asking every time we get together. Who are you investing in? Who are you reproducing yourself in? At home, at work, in your Christian life, at church, uh, especially in your Christian life. Who are you discipling? Who are you personally, spiritually investing in? Remember, when we invest in people, it's not about us, okay? We don't invest in people for our own benefit. We invest in people for their benefit. That is what healthy leaders do. They're not, they don't have ulterior motives for investing. They have no other desire than to see that person go on and become all that God has for them to be. So that's principle number one. Healthy leaders in, are intentional about developing other leaders. Principle two, this is the one we talked about last week. Healthy leaders develop real, deep, affectionate relationships with the individuals that they lead. Here in this book, we have John the mentor telling Gaius, the mentee, that he loves him. In the first 13 words, 13 words of this short letter, he tells Gaius he loves him three times. The older unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved. John was very clear, like we talked about last week, about his relationship with Gaius. He said, Gaius, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Right? 
That was his relationship with Gaius. He actually, even through the rest of the book, he tells him a total of five times expresses his love for Gaius. Obviously, we talked about how Jesus is the ultimate example of showing love for those that he leads and mentors. We talked about the verse last week. Henceforth, I called you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. The basis of Jesus' relationship with his disciples was friendship. We see this example of loyalty throughout many of the healthy leaders throughout Scripture, but then the question that we ask ourselves is do you confirm your genuine love for those that you lead? Do you confirm your love for those that you lead? Do you tell them that you love them? <laughs> we talked about that last week. Well, they know I love them. Do they? Have you said it? Do you say that to them? Are you willing to publicly tell others about how much you love and appreciate the people that you lead? Or... Are you so in love with yourself that we don't have enough time to tell other people how much we love them because we're so absorbed with ourselves and loving ourselves? It is in unconditional love that true life transformation can take place. We mentioned last week, you can get quicker results through anger, through fear, but true life transformation comes through love. It's not as fast, but it's true, and it's real. And obviously, even in the gospel, Jesus is the ultimate example of, of this type of love through his sacrificial love that he gave to us, that even though we sinned against him and were his enemies, and all the things that we did, sinning against his moral and written laws, all the wickedness that we did, still in love, sacrificed himself for us with no ulterior motives, than to give us eternal life and to give us fullness of life. So, principle number one, healthy leaders are intentional about developing other leaders. Principle number two, healthy leaders develop real, deep, affectionate relationships with those that they lead. And tonight we're going to look at principle number three. Once again, verses one and two, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. We should have these passages memorized by the time we're done with this. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be healthy even as thy soul prosperous. Principle number three of healthy leadership. Healthy leaders have healthy souls. Healthy leaders have healthy souls. Listen to what John is saying here to Gaius. Listen to this. Verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. This is, this is literally what John is saying to Gaius. Gaius, man, I, I wish you were as physically healthy as your spiritual soul is healthy. I wish you were as physically healthy as, as you're, you're healthy spiritually. Man, Gaius, I, I, look, look what he says here. He says, your walk with God is so strong that I wish, I don't just wish, which is, is you know, 
I wish above all things, because I know how healthy you are. I know how closely you are walking with God, Gaius. So I wish above all things, I mean, all the things that I, I wish above all things, knowing how close you are with God, I wish you were as healthy and as prosperous as your relationship is with God. That's what John is saying to Gaius. Here's the question. What, what if your physical health was dependent upon your spiritual health? What, what if I said to everybody here tonight, I wish you were as healthy spiritually as your, life, as, your, as your spiritual life is healthy. I wish you were as physically healthy as your spiritual life is healthy. I think this might turn into a spontaneous funeral service for some people, right? <laughs> if we're going to be honest, I think, I think maybe a lot of people would just be like, yeah, you know, like falling into, the, falling into the aisles. If we're going to be honest, we might have to get somebody, we have to get the security team calling the ambulance. Or would you say, oh, thank you so much. Whew, I feel so much better. Right? Well, what would be your response to that? I wish you were as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy. How would, you react? How would you react if I said that to you? Would you say, what a kind, gracious thing for you to say? Or would you be like, hey, hey, easy there, pal. What are you trying to do, kill me? Let me ask you this. What if I asked you, what if I said to you, I wish, I wish you were as financially successful and, and as, as financially blessed as you are spiritually successful? Would you all of a sudden have abundance in your bank account or would you all of a sudden have to file for bankruptcy? I think a lot of leaders are on, are on spiritual life support. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Let me ask you, are you prospering spiritually? Not pro prospering spiritually, prospering. Not just sustaining, not just surviving, not, not doing the bare minimum that we have to do, but are you prospering? What, what does prospering mean? Prospering means flourishing, growing, strong, healthy. Is this a description of your spiritual life? I tell you what, this has been so challenging to me. Having to study through this. And I tell you what, studying through these healthy leadership principles has just been, it's shown me what a terrible leader I am, to be honest with you. And this has just constantly been on my mind, especially as I've been meditating on this, as I've been asking myself these questions. Am I a healthy leader? Am I spiritually healthy? Am I spiritually prosperous? Before you can lead in a healthy way, you yourself have to be healthy spiritually. You cannot be a healthy leader with... with 
I think it sounds kind of obvious, but a healthy leader needs to be a healthy leader, right? In order to be healthy, you need to be spiritually healthy. But I think one thing great about understanding our roles as leaders is it should give us that incentive to want to be healthy, right? It should give us that, that desire to be a healthy leader so that we can lead people in a healthy way, spiritually. You know, just think about this. What if I asked you, what if I said, I hope your family life is as strong as your spiritual life? What would your family situation look like? What if I said, I hope your job success is as successful as your spiritual success? I hope the people you lead are as faithful to you as you are faithful to Christ. I hope those around you give in abundance to you as you give in abundance to God. I hope your children, I really hope your children are as faithful to you as you are faithful to God. I hope they honor you to the same amount that you honor God. I hope they love you to the same amount that you love God. I hope they're as loyal to you as you are loyal to God. How, how, would, how would you take that? As a friend giving well wishes to another friend or as someone somewhat hoping your destruction and doom? These are sobering questions to ask. A healthy leader has a healthy soul. I think this gracious um, greeting from John to Gaius shows us a couple things. One, I think it's, it's first, it's really telling of the spiritual life of Gaius. Gaius loved God. Amen? Gaius loved God. Gaius was a young leader with a healthy soul. Gaius was a young leader who loved God above all else. And then secondly, I think this is really, for me personally, this is challenging and convicting as I, as I ask myself and, and hear this, this greeting from John to Gaius and then think about my own life. How would I feel if somebody said, how would I feel if the Apostle John said that to me? I hope that you are prosperous. I hope you're as healthy. I hope as good as things happen to you as your relationship with God. Before, before we can effectively lead others, and like I said, we're all leaders here in some way, shape, and form, but before we can effectively lead others, we have to first learn how to lead ourselves. Before we can lead other people, we first have to learn how to lead our own personal spiritual lives. You can't effectively lead others to, into having healthy souls if we do not have healthy souls. We can't effectively lead others into walks with God when we don't have walks with God. We can't effectively lead others to be generous when we ourselves are stingy. We can't lead others to be walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit when we simply walk in the filling of the flesh. We cannot lead others to be faithful when we ourselves are unfaithful. Um, do as I say, not as I do, only cuts it so long, right? That only lasts so long. Eventually, that's just not going to work anymore. Do what I say, not what I do. 
My son's only six years old, just turned six, and he's already starting to ask that question. But Daddy, I thought you said I couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> right? No, nobody's having ice cream tonight. Then he walks in, you got a big old bowl of ice cream. Ah, uh, well, right? And then he sees that hypocrisy. Just such a small scale, but it's real. What happens, what happens when we try to lead people in a way that we ourselves do, are not willing to go? What happens when we try to lead people into a way that we ourselves just aren't, aren't willing to sacrifice or, or, or go down that same road? It will, in those that we lead, it will cause resentment, right? And, and I, I especially think of just, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that. But when we try to lead, and we just refuse to do it ourselves, and we try to get those that we lead to do it, it does cause resentment. It causes bitterness. Obviously, when you have a leader that is constantly making you do things, and then they just won't do anything themselves, or whatever it is, it can cause, uh, there's no respect there, right? Lack of respect. It weakens your leadership because deep down inside, you know you can't really lead these people because you're not even doing it yourself. So even though you say it, you can't really back it up with any type of strength because you just know deep down inside you're a hypocrite if you do. Well, you're a hypocrite anyways, but it just takes the teeth out of your leadership. Causes rebellion. Um, now, we are talking about leadership and, and, and so I want us to to think about this. And this is simply from observation. But I think as leaders, there is, a, there is a temptation as leaders to focus too much on the actions of others, spe specifically those we lead instead of our own personal lives. Instead of, think about this, instead of looking at your child's rebellion, we should ask ourselves, if we have done anything to contribute to this rebellion in their lives. Instead of just, as leaders, instead of just, you know, especially like right here, we're talking about parents, instead of constantly looking at everything our children are doing and getting upset and frustrated and angry about it, ask ourselves, have we done anything to contribute to this rebellion in their lives? Have I been hypocritical? Have I been showing true love to my children? Have I spent proper time leading, mentoring, and loving them? Have I properly trained them? Have I taught them to love the ways of God? Have I properly equipped them with the tools that they need to lead a successful life? Have I been faithful? Are they, in all honesty, in some ways reflecting my own personal flaws and failures. Instead of, you know, as, as an employer, maybe somebody is an employer, maybe you're in leadership at work and there's people that work underneath you, instead of just calling everyone that leaves your employment lazy good-for-nothings, 
ask yourself why so many people leave your employment. Am I doing anything to contribute to a poor working environment? Have I properly trained my employees? Have I equipped them with the tools that they need? Have I made them feel valued? So instead of just, uh, like I said, I know it's the temptation is to just look at the results and get frustrated with it, but ask ourselves, have we contributed to this problem? Um, maybe you're a ministry leader here in church. Perhaps in your ministry leader, if you're a ministry leader, instead of blaming your team for not being faithful as a ministry leader, ask yourself, am I, am I doing anything to contribute to a poor serving environment here at church? Have I properly trained the people underneath my leadership? Have I equipped them with the tools that they need to accomplish what I'm asking them to do? Have I made the people that are serving underneath me feel valued? Have I given them a reason to stay? I remember there is this ministry and this fellow that I knew, and obviously ministry is my industry, so that's everything. I, when I think about these things, a lot of time, it's with ministries in mind. And this ministry and this guy that I knew um, had super high turnover. I'm talking abnormally high turnover in the people that served uh, on staff with him. And people were constantly coming and going from this ministry, and, and it was not with good spirits. It was with very bad spirits. And every time somebody left his ministry, he would say things, he would say things uh, to me specifically to the effect that uh, there are just no faithful people out there anymore. There's just not faithful people out there. Uh, or people just can't cut it these days. They just, they just can't cut it, you know? Tim and Jenny, they just, they just don't, I just don't know if they truly have a heart to follow after God. Uh, you know, there, there will always be those people that are going to forsake God. There's just always going to be those people out there. Um, you know, this generation is weak. This generation, they're just weak. They just don't have what it takes. However, if he would have been willing to ask, of course, I wasn't going to say it um, because I wasn't that close to friends with him. Um, but if he would have been willing to, to ask honest questions, from my simple observation, uh, this guy was a toxic leader. He was um, domineering, angry, controlling, unwilling to receive feedback, my way or the highway mentality, demanding so much from those that served underneath them at the sacrifice of their families, and there was constant family issues, and really that's ultimately why they left. And if he would have just asked or been willing to ask some of those self-reflecting questions, Willing, been, been willing to, to lead himself, I think he would have come to some really game-changing realizations in his, in his own ministry life. I believe honest self-evaluation is a, is a healthy habit for leaders to develop. Instead of blaming our bad results on the people underneath our leadership, ask ourselves, have I done anything to contribute to these poor results in my family, at work, at church, I don't know, whatever area of leadership we might be in. Now, obviously, people have free will, right? So obviously, bad things are going to happen in our family, at church, at our workplace, because people are sinners, right? People have free will, they're sinners, um, uh, they make 
bad personal choices. Uh, they have their own personal sin issues that they're dealing with. So I'm not saying that every single bad thing that happens is a result of bad leadership. However, healthy leaders, instead of their first reaction is pointing the finger, a healthy leader's first reaction is to say, it, was it me? Did I do something to contribute to this? And, they, and they, they, they accept that honest evaluation of themselves and then take responsibility for whatever that is. Like I said, this is challenging to me too, okay? I don't, I don't like this stuff any more than you do because this is hard stuff to do. This is humbling stuff to do. But this is healthy leadership. Healthy leaders have healthy souls. So how does a leader develop a healthy soul? Well, the first step in developing a healthy soul is to know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. That is the first step. To know the gospel of Jesus Christ. To know that we are sinners, that we have violated God's holy law, that because of our violation of God's law, we deserve eternal death and hell, punishment for our violation of God's law. And that Jesus Christ, of course, that's the bad news, but the bad news points to the good news, which is Jesus Christ came to earth on a rescue mission for sinful men, for sinful women, for sinful humanity. And he came, he lived a perfect life, he never sinned, not even once. And they put him on the cross and they crucified him. And when he was on the cross... He said, it is finished, and he died. And God did a miracle. He took the sins of the world, and he placed them on Jesus. And Jesus died, and three days later, he rose again, proving that he was God and proving that he could do what he claimed he could do, which was forgive the sins of the world and to heal our lives. And if we accept the gospel, if we repent of our sins, turn away from our sinful life and accept the gospel, Jesus is who he says he is, and that only through him can we have eternal life, if we do that, then we know that we can live for eternity in heaven. And that is the gospel message. And live our lives for Christ and begin our sanctification process. So that's clearly the first step in developing healthy leadership. Is to know the gospel and to know that you are saved. The second step to developing a healthy soul is to keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. That's regular confession of sin. Confess your sin. Every morning, as soon as you do it, confess your sin. Repent of your sins daily. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next thing, to develop a healthy soul is keep short accounts with people. Right? When you sin against people, get things right. When you sin against your spouse, get things right. When you sin against your children, repent to your children. I have to say I'm sorry to my children often. And I tell them, listen, daddy's sorry. He should not have done it. It's usually for getting upset at them. And I have to say, I'm sorry. Daddy was wrong. That was sin. I should not have done that. Will you forgive me? I have to pray and ask God for God's forgiveness too. And my kids are just, of course, they're, they're just happy that I'm not mad anymore, honestly. They're just like, oh, yeah, we forgive anything. Does this mean we get ice cream or something? 
but keep our accounts short with people. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and remember, there rememberest that thy brother hath thought against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Develop a personal relationship with Christ. This is how we develop healthy souls. Develop a personal relationship with Christ. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Admit your personal faults and failures. Just be honest about your personal faults and failures, your personal weaknesses. Be intentional about growing spiritually. And you know what? You being here tonight at church on a negative 160 degree night <laughs> is proof that you have a desire to grow spiritually. Be intentional about growing spiritually. We don't grow spiritually by accident. This morning, uh, when in our chapel, uh, the passage that we were reading was in, uh, we're, we're, we're working our way through Proverbs, and it says to search for wisdom and understanding as silver and hid treasures. And the principle we talked about this morning is growing in knowledge and wisdom and spiritually takes work, right? It takes a lot of work, and it's hard, but the rewards are worth it. So be intentional about growing spiritually. Treat others the way Jesus would want to be treated, with love, with patience, with grace, mercy, personal sacrifice. Prioritize your spiritual health above everything else. Prioritize your spiritual health above projects, home projects. Prioritize your spiritual health above work. Prioritize your spiritual health above all those other things that seem so much more important about the to-do list or above activities. Prioritize your spiritual health. You know, here's what's crazy. This is the, the paradox is the more time you spend working on your spiritual life, the more of these other things that you skipped your spiritual life to do, the better you do them. The more blessed they are. The, the, the more, literally, the more you spend it, and you spend that time with God, the more you get done. The, the, the happier you are, the more blessed, the more enjoyable, the more successful. So prioritize a healthy soul because God strengthens you through those things. A healthy leader has a healthy soul. All right, we're done. Let me ask you, what would you say is the spiritual health of your soul tonight? Honest evaluation of yourself, what would you say is the spiritual health of your soul? Would you say, I have a prosperous soul, abundant, growing, it's going good. God is so good. Would you say you have a thriving soul, or would you say you have a spiritually malnourished soul? I'm telling you what, this was so sobering for me. I, I was just, I was like, I don't think I do, I don't know, if, how, how do I claim that I have a healthy soul? You know what I mean? So it's just, I just kept searching my heart, and Lord, do I have a healthy soul? I don't think that I do. As I kept evaluating, kept thinking about this over and over again. Perhaps, perhaps you're a toxic leader because you have a toxic soul. Are you trying to lead others in a place that you yourself aren't willing to go? Do as I say, not as I do. Our leadership, our leadership success hinges on our spiritual health. 
If you can't lead yourself spiritually, we will never be able to lead others spiritually. You may be able to fake it for a while, right? You can fake it for a while, but eventually it's just, it's going to catch up to you. And the ultimate goal for having a healthy soul and being healthy leaders is the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's always the ultimate goal in our families, at work, at church, around the world, the ultimate goal is to be more effective at communicating the gospel and making disciples of Jesus Christ. A healthy leader has a healthy soul. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.